Hello. Today on the Loopcast, I have Rick Cole, a lieutenant colonel in the British Army Reserves who has spent the last 10 years in information, um, working on information operations and related activities. And he's going to help us think about information operations and information warfare. So I think um, here at the Loopcast, we, we've been wanting to put a series together on information warfare and information operations. And we, we sort of stumbled and fell into this hole of over-focusing on Russia, over-focusing China, when this field is very rich and it's not just about, you know, nation states, you know, you know, having conflict, but rather there's a whole range of issues and ideas that are there and that need to be examined and thought about. So um, later this week, we will have Brooke Minkowski, um, the managing editor of Snopes, discussing sort of journalism's role in information operations and the problem of disinformation and misinformation. And then at the end of the week, we will have Jason Healy sort of discussing how um, cyber policy, um, policy on you know, issues of computer security and information security relate to this. But for today, we're just, you know, this is sort of a, a sort of start off in, in this topic. So please welcome Rick Call. So I want to. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, I want to start off with um, a really general question, and then in that, when we discuss information operations, what are we, what are we thinking about, or what are we, what is, you know, what does this term mean in terms of um, what's being acted upon and what's being, you know, worked with. Yeah, I think I think one of the one of the biggest problems we have in, in information operations is it, it's it's all manner of things to to all sorts of people. Uh, we had a, a similar problem a few years back when we started referring to things as influence, you know, influence operations, informant influence, um, and it just confused everyone because influence is a it's a noun, it's a verb, it's you know, it's it's one hundred and one different meanings. Um, and I think informa information operations kind of falls into the same trap. Um, there are a lot of things that involve information, information security, information management, information exploitation. Uh, and the same is with, with communications. You know, is communications a, a, a kind of G6, you know, wiggly amps, radios, and, and that kind of communication, or, or, or is it the, the very basic human interaction of, of to communicate? Um so I think it's it's worth unpacking what we mean by information operations, and obviously, you then fall into the doctrine trap that you know we can never agree on what what we actually mean by simple terms like information and operations. So you put the two together, and you just confuse everyone. Um, certainly, Russia and China have a very different view of information operations than we do at, uh, in the UK and in NATO and in the US. Um, but for me, information operations are are simply a a, a group of activities in which information is the key ingredient and and from that you can draw you can draw out public affairs or, or media operations as we call it in the uk psyops um opsec deception uh, any kind of form of engagement uh, and in that i mean um civil affairs uh, vet cap uh, medical clinics uh, anything we do uh, to interact with other humans um uh, Presence posture profile, I think, sends some very, very clear messages as, as, as to our intent and our, our capabilities. So I think there's 
there's a whole raft of activities there that can all be grouped together um, under what we refer to as information operations. But if, if you were to go into a, any of the large headquarters and look for the IO guy or the IO team or, or the person responsible for information operations, that person within the headquarters is simply there to coordinate all these different activities and make sure that we're not we're not committing any kind of message fratricide that that whatever the psyops guys are saying is, is supporting the public affairs or the media operations and that they're not breaching opsec or they're not compromising our electronic warfare capabilities and it, it, it's a coordinating role within the headquarters but information operations has, has now become this much grander thing um where we start talking about uh, the relationships between states uh, and between non-state actors, we, we start to wrap those kind of activities um, up as information operations as well. But I, I, I think they're more strategic communication because they happen at a much more strategic level. I think at the operational level and at the tactical level, um, information operations is just this very disparate group of activities where information and, and communication is, is the key ingredient. So you mentioned the, the tactical, the operational, and the strategic. For you, how do you divide up the three in terms of activities? I mean, it seems like the person on the ground is, has, would have a totally different view of, of information and how it's used versus somebody that is at headquarters and has different streams of, of, of data that they have access to. So how do you, I mean, in, in your mind, in, in sort of in your definitions, how do you separate out what's tactical, what's operational, and then a broader strategic picture? I, I think it's, I think it's certainly become compressed um, over the, over the last few years. Um, the Wavell Room, which is a, a British army uh, think tank, um, has recently said that you know the the strategic corporal that we referred to back in the 1990s and the early 2000s has been replaced by the tactical minister. You know, and there are people in government who can make very very tactical level decisions uh, and, and and broadcast them through social media or through through whatever. Uh, and likewise, it, the corporal on the ground can make a decision which has strategic effect. Um, so the two have definitely become compressed. I think for me, in terms of in terms of information operations um, and information activities, I think at the strategic level, you are talking about strategic communications. You're talking about the communications between states uh, and international organisations and non-state actors. That that's a very strategic thing, and quite often it is it is just setting out your stall. It's your it's your nation's presence posture profile. It's, it's, it's what, what you are trying to achieve and what your position in the world is. I think at the, at the slightly more operational level, um, you know, you start to get into things that end with the word operations. So media operations, uh, information operations, deception operations. Um, but quite often those actors at that level are, are merely the commentators of the activity that's going on or or they're there to to rebroadcast it or to amplify it or to give it some clarity or to to comment on it i think at the very tactical level when you get down to psyops teams on the ground or, or combat camera or, or or people doing civil affairs um they are the ones who are interacting directly with our audiences um uh, and for me information operations is 
is almost audience centric warfare. You know, it is all about understanding your audience, understanding what makes them tick. And the people with that direct in- interaction and engagement, it's not just about communication, it's about engaging with them. It's a, it's a two way process. I think that's where your, your tactical level practitioners, uh, whether they be psyops guys or, or media operations or public affairs, um, those are the guys who have the real feel for what's going on and, and that, that, that sense of, of direct communication and interaction with the audiences. So I think for me that the granularity gets a lot clearer at the lower tactical levels. I think at the strategic level, it is all very big picture as it should be. And I think information operations can often be in danger of, of compressing those. Um, and, and, and we start to get into the realms of the, the, the strategic corporal and the, the very tactical ministers. So I want to, I mean, um, move on to sort of what would you consider sort of the objective to be when we engage in information operations? What is, you know, you, you, you discussed, you know, audience centric warfare. Is it, you know, when you say audience centric warfare, I think, are, are we trying to nudge the population into making a decision? Are we, sort of, you know, explaining goals and ideas or what is, because, it, because in, because on, on sort of one thread of it, it's, it's almost like advertising. It, it seems like nudging and sort of convincing somebody to make a decision. But so uh, sort of on, on the other hand, it almost seems like, you know, communications in explaining goals and ideas and sort of creating a certain context. So you know, what, what is the general objective and goal here? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, um, I think that the overall objectives uh, for all these activities, um, they are psychological. They are, they are, we're, we're trying to achieve psychological effects. Uh, that's, and that's not to say that everything in information operations is psyops uh, because it's not. Um, but the effect we're trying to achieve is, is, is psychological. But, the, the the outcome of that psychological um, effect is is more often than not a behavioral thing. So it does in some ways link back to advertising and marketing where you're you're trying to get someone to buy something. Um, for the military though, um, the idea of, of, of achieving effects in the information domain or the information environment, uh, depending on whose doctrine you, you subscribe to, um, for me, it's very simple. It's 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 the it's the softer touch stuff. Um, it can get quite edgy, uh, but the the majority of the activities we do um, are to inform, uh, or to convince, or to amplify, or empower, or, or or build capacity, or mentor, or or all of those things. But sometimes it does go down into the, into the the, the coerce. Um, but it's not the kill capture destroy end of the spectrum it's it's very much the other end of the spectrum um and here in the uk we did a lot of work a, a few years ago um in in the doctrine centers where we looked at all the different effects that we are trying to achieve against um target audiences as opposed to just the enemy um it's not just about the red picture and what effects we're trying to achieve against the enemy uh, and certainly if you read the doctrine that's developed out of Iraq and Afghanistan and, and the, the reemergence of counterinsurgency. Um, 
we're now looking much more at those softer effects, uh, both with our partners, uh, those people we're trying to build up, to amplify, to uh, to legitimize, whatever it might be, all the way down to some of the other stuff that we will do against um, the enemy forces to discredit them, to undermine them, to coerce them. But w- when you mentioned nudge, uh, I-, I think you're right. I think what we're trying to achieve is to give them the ability and the um, the ingredients that they need to to, to use to make a decision, um, to to see another side of the argument, to consider other options, uh, and by doing that, um, you save yourself from having to go down the the kinetic route uh, of applying more more direct uh, military force against an audience or a population or, or a group. So, um, so what is the when we when we discuss information operations? What is the role of technology? Because I think um, so. The last year or so, we've we've had this discussion of I/O, um, and it has been very c- centered around Facebook, Twitter, at least in, in sort of the discussions of uh, Trump's rise to power and and the Brexit Brexit in the UK, but also. In the CVE field, they discuss sort of the use of Telegram, the use of um, end-to-end, you know, encrypted messaging apps, and but but by the same token, it almost seems like when we discuss Afghanistan, Iraq, and Somalia, it, it seems like the technology there isn't necessarily social media, but television, radio, sort of. I hate saying this, but sort of the Cold War and sort of older forms of of technology so in in your experience and and sort of in your thinking where do we where do we factor in technology both as a sort of being able to use it and as a medium yeah the 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 question of technology comes up quite often in in the discussions within the within the io community and that you know the the role of open source intelligence is, is becoming uh, a massive industry all, all of its own uh, to the point at which, you know, some people are now arguing, you know, it's a discipline within itself. Um, when I, in the schoolhouse, when I used to, when I used to teach information operations and, and, and media operations in particular, uh, we looked at three critical factors and it's, it's like, um, it's like as a, as a boy scout, when you learn to, to make a fire, you need three things. You need heat, you need fuel and you need oxygen and you take away one of those things and your fire won't work. And it's exactly the same in in the communications and, and in information operations. You need three key things. Uh, you need an audience, uh, for start. Uh, you need to have a message of some description, and you need a channel by which you can get that message to that audience. And I think in information operations, technology usually falls into the category of the channel. And it is just that. It's just a channel. It's just the means by which your message gets to your your selected audience um and there is a lot of discussion about use of the internet uh, and use of social media and and, and and bots and and the troll factories and all the rest of it all they're doing is they're they're attacking that that channel you know if your if your selected channel is facebook or twitter if they dominate that channel it's just like dominating ground uh, as an infantryman you know, you, you get up onto the high ground. That's where you put your 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 heavier weapon systems. You dominate the ground. You you 
block off certain areas you know all they're doing is they're identifying where your weaknesses might be or where you are going to be channeled into a into a certain situation where you are going to be then easily exposed by either just drowning it out or jamming it or corrupting it in some way so that your message doesn't get through through to your audience because at the end of the day what we're trying to achieve through communication is, is a very human activity um, and so by cutting you off from your audience they essentially prevent you uh, from getting getting your message across um, so so tech um, is simply the enabler uh, for your for your information operations um, but that said um, you know I've just been working uh, in Somalia uh, and it's very interesting out there because the the information environment is is quite polarized um, in Mogadishu and the um, the larger urban centers of, of Kismayo and Baidoa and, and places like that. You have a very um, a very young uh, about seventy five percent of the population are under twenty five. Um, those in the urban areas all have access to four G. They all have smartphones. Um, they're all very active on on social media, especially Twitter. Um, and so, actually, that's a very good means uh of of communicating with them uh but like all these things it has to be culturally sensitive the language has to be right the tone has to be right um but likewise you go out into the into the rural areas where al-shabaab still control large areas of the of the country you're back to how you describe you know the much more traditional methods um of using radio uh, lots of word of mouth lots of direct engagement um, lots of outreach activities through your through your civil affairs, um, but also because because those areas are controlled by um, the insurgency, you then have to start applying your more traditional, harder edged uh, military capabilities um, to allow you the space to then do your other engagements. Uh, because without creating that security bubble and without that space. Um, you're not going to be able to have that direct interaction with with your audiences. But certainly out in those rural areas, you know, uh, radio is still very much king. Um, but also one of the things that, that, that we learned, particularly in Afghanistan, is um, is the use of word of mouth. You know, if you can identify those, those uh, characters and those actors within your rural communities who are a voice um, and people do listen to them so they are credible and they have some form of status... Um, then it's much easier to give that message to that individual and convince them that it's in everybody's best interest for him to um, to pass on that message to uh, to the audience that uh, that you've identified. So I think technology does have a huge part to play and and, and will increasingly do so. Uh, but I think the IO community more generally need to be very cautious and and not forget where their roots are, um, which is very much in in things like radio, um, and dare I say it, uh, leaflet drops for the PSYOPs guys, um, which is kind of their default setting, and, and those of us who work in other parts of IO like to remind them of that. So I would I'm sort of maybe go look at technology again, but it seems like, you know, what we saw in the sort of 2016, you know, run-up, sort of Trump's election, um, Brexit and then sort of 
you know, now on Twitter. So um, I think Oxford University does this wonderful, they have a, is it Oxford or Cambridge? I always get them confused, but they have something called computational propaganda. And mm -hmm. a lot of the research seems to focus on automation and botting. And, you know, in terms of information operations, and you mentioned sort of dominating the channel, I mean, how problematic for you or for whomever is the usage of bots, the usage of sort of cyberization, sort of, you know, having one real person and then having a network of bots that sort of take their messaging from this person is, I mean, it, I, you know, on my daily being on Twitter on, you know, every day, it seems very large and very problematic, but I mean, in your perspective is, is the role of bots automation and sort of that sort of methodology, how problematic is it? Is it, you know, go ahead. Sorry. I think the, I think the, I think the problem is, is almost twofold. Um, Firstly, yes, there is this huge proliferation of, of, of automation and, and, and bots. Um, and I think, uh, you know, all the examples you use of the Brexit vote uh, and, and the, the Trump campaign, what we're seeing is, is that the, um, <clears throat> the, the professional exploitation of data, you know, there is now the technology to take that data to understand your audiences. And, you know, the, the companies that supported those campaigns um, all they've done is 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 perfect something that that perfects probably a strong word. They've they've improved the manner in which we can take that data, and there is so much of it, particularly on social media platforms, and better understand your audiences, and then target the messages against those audiences in such a way that they are utterly convinced uh, which way they're going to vote. Um, and whether that was done completely legitimately or whether there were nefarious actors behind some of those activities, that's, you know, that's still open for debate. Um, and, and, and I don't think now is the time to be having that discussion as part of this one. But I think the flip side of that, that same argument is that um, and something we can do through information operations is is inform and educate the users um, to question the sources of the data to ask who benefits from this message. Um, am I being um, the target of propaganda or is this good, wholesome fiber for my, for my consumption? Um, and I think that's, that's something that we will see over time. Um, I think there are lots of, um, lots of programs now, particularly um, targeting younger users as, as to understanding that, you know, everything isn't as it seems on social media um, and that you should always question um, where the information is coming from, who benefits from it, and, and apply that level of critical thinking, which in many of the, the battles of the narrative, as, as they're, they're termed, um, I think that that critical thinking is absent, um, and people aren't willing to see more than one side of the argument. Uh, and it links back to this idea of Twitter being an echo chamber because you only follow people who have similar views to you and speak the same language as you and come from a, a similar background. I think things like um, automated translation um, will help us uh, because the, the breaks down the language barriers. So it's therefore easier to communicate cross-culturally 
Um, so I think that's one good area where te- where tech will be uh, hugely beneficial. But to counter the the, the bots and to, to get over the 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 use of of um, technology in, in propagating misinformation or or, or, or lies or, or fake news comes back to this idea that it's that it's human interaction and what you need to be able to um, to counter some of that misinformation and that propaganda is to have um, kind of at the, at the at the kind of operational level clear human messengers uh, and whether they be on social media or whether they be in real life being able to communicate in a very human way um, will undo some of the damage that's being done by these by these bots and these automated systems where you establish that some that person as, as a credible messenger who understands the situation who understands the, the audiences and can give that level of clarity and it's almost somewhere where people can go for the truth um, you know in days gone by that person could have been a journalist um, but more and more we're seeing you know journalists are not are not trusted sources of information news channels are not trusted sources of information so we have to look at other messengers who may be more credible with our target audiences and that may be a celebrity that may be uh, a religious uh, scholar that might be um, a charity it might be an, an organization like the united nations um or it might be somebody who is very active on social media who has a large following who could be given the information to demonstrate where the lies are and where the truth sits. Um, but like all these things, that takes a lot of time um, to develop an audience, to develop that credibility uh, and to allow them to establish themselves to allow that, that process to take place. Um, I don't think it's the only fix. Uh, I think that um, understanding the capability that bots and, and automation have is is ultimately part of what would make a, a good info ops uh, practitioner in, in the coming years. So this next question might sound philosophical, but it, it keeps coming up. It it, it comes up in, in Zainab Tefeche's book and, and sort of you have sort of touched on it and it comes up um, in sort of some interviews that um, my guest tomorrow, Brooke Binkowski, has given. But, you know, what is sort of the value of the truth versus the value of the narrative? Because it seems like somebody like Wikilinks, for instance, works from, you know, leaked documents that are, you know, essentially true, but yet they, they're very skilled at crafting a narrative and, you know, sort of creating one story from, you know, real documents. So, I mean, how do we how do we sort of pair the value of truth and the power of truth versus the power of narrative and sort of context design? Um, I, I think I think we have to go back to the audience. I think we we always have to go back to whoever it is that you're that you're trying to to influence or you're trying to inform or you're trying to educate whatever whatever you're trying to achieve through your information operations you have to understand what it is about them what filters they see the world through whether it be the filters of of their gender or their age or their their upbringing or their education or whatever it might be 
because you know and without getting too philosophical about it you know the truth is just one perception that you hold dear um whether it you know tallies with what everyone else sees uh, i i think in terms of from an information operations point of view um by understanding our audiences by understanding their concept of truth or any of those um any of those things you know you know the definition of freedom you know could be interpreted any 101 ways um so by understanding your audience you have a, a much better grasp of, of what it means to them but but likewise i think one of the things that that i encourage a lot of my former students to do is 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 go and look at some of the narratives that actually work you know go back to children's fairy tales about you know good and evil and and how children are supposed to behave or you know they get locked in the tower or or boiled by the witch or whatever it might be these fables and these tales were told for a reason um you know the reason fairy tales came about the reason why um parables came about and fables and tales and the viking sagas and uh, you know and even the foundations of religion is about stories that guide people in the decisions they make and the actions they take and the lives that they lead. So we could very easily get down the lines of, you know, what is truth, what's fake news, what's this, that and the other. But if you, if you go back to those very simple formats of, of a tale or a saga um, and, and examine what it is about that story that makes it work, you know, is it the characters? Is it the the story? Is it the plot? Is it the twist at the end? Whatever it might be, what makes it work within a certain context? Um, and that's the same with you know plays and screenwriting and all the rest of it. I think that's that's one area where information operations can do more uh, and could be slightly more um, could be used more intellectually. Um, the example that I always used to use um, in the schoolhouse when, when teaching information operations and, and media operations um, is, is the Star Wars movies. You know, the, the narrative is, is there. It's the story of good and evil and that, that good people do evil things and evil people can do good things. Um, but in essence, all of them have a, a, a simple structure to them. They, there is a problem. Uh, there are opportunities to solve that problem steps are taken and then there's a happy ending and you know, everyone all lives happily ever after and that, that that same format runs true with a lot of fables and parables and, and and kids stories so i think one of the things that information operations can do is is help lay out that problem identify those opportunities and what steps can be taken to to achieve that 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 chosen outcome um and hopefully um, all being well, everyone comes away, you know, with a with a bit of a happy ending. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult one, and I think a lot of the times, a lot of the mistakes we make are, are simply because we don't understand the target audience, the filters that they look through, uh, especially when we're dealing with audiences from other cultures. So I want to. So for my last question before we um, end the show, um, you know, when you. In your experience and in your um, sort of professional life, when you talk about mm-hmm. information operations, what do you, what do we consider a success and what do we consider a defeat? Because I think, I think for a lot of our audience, when we think about military operations, or um, we, you know, we, it's very much framed in a sort of 
you you know, you defeated the enemy or you succeeded against the enemy but it almost seems like in, in, in our conversation there isn't very a clear line of what what is success what is defeat you know how do we how do we conceptualize these concepts within information operations yeah I think and this links back to kind of the holy grail of information operations is, is how you measure success in your your measurement and evaluation and it's it's difficult to do because more often than not you're you're dealing with people's perceptions uh, and ideas uh, and, and measuring those things are subject to to all sorts of things I, I I quite often joke with with friends of mine in the in the Royal Artillery you know their job is really easy you know they're told to blow up a target if the target disappears then then yeah mission success you know the bridge was there and the bridge is now gone so it's really easier it's a little bit harder in in my in my line of work but but for me, I think you can measure the success in such a way that you identify the effect that you are trying to achieve, uh, whether that to be to empower or to inform or to, to encourage or amplify. But then simply look at the behaviors that you would associate with that outcome. And if you can identify those behaviors that you would expect to see, um, then you can baseline them and then you either are above or below that baseline. And, and an example from Afghanistan is, is, is the campaigns against um, the, the IEDs, um, you know, attacking the network of the IED was, was, was not only a, you know, intercepts and, and intelligence led and, and, and trying to find the things once they'd been put in the ground but it was also an information operation to try and discourage people from doing it in the first place. Um, and, you know, telling them that they were endangering the lives of civilians and their own families and, and making life difficult for absolutely everybody else. So whatever we did was trying to achieve that, that outcome of, of stop laying IEDs. So that was the behavior we were trying to change. And whether that was, you know, a, a, an operation to intercept a, a bomb team or to try and find the makers or to cut off the supply of equipment to make those IEDs wrapped up with that was the information operations campaign, um, which was supporting, uh, you know, the counter IED uh, activities. So I think success in information operations is when we see a behavioral change. Uh, and that behavior can be almost anything that can be people registering to vote, people turning up for community events. Uh, number of defectors is, is quite often used and, and we used in Somalia and, and Libya and other places. Um, but also you can you can measure other things like, you know, you know the, the increase of, of, of good news stories against bad news stories or, or whatever it might be. So success is very difficult to to quantify. Um Identifying those behaviors um, is a little easier, um, but then convincing commanders um, and those who are paying for certain projects that your information operations are directly linked to that behavioral change um, is, again, an, another challenge. I think in terms of defeat, um, the obvious one is, you know, you, you fail to, to change that behavior or, or, or worse, you know, you, you actually increase the behavior that you're trying to trying to prevent. Um, I, I think catastrophic defeat is when you, you quite literally through bad 
information operations through not understanding your target audience, I think is when you hand you hand the operational advantage directly to the enemy. You know, you, you do such a bad information operation that you you actually push those audiences into the enemy and say, you know, it was so bad that 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 it's unforgivable. Um, and, and that can be any number of things. And, and quite often, if you look at the if you look at the 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 bad news stories uh, that have come out or, or, as you mentioned earlier, the WikiLeaks stuff, um, those stories were, were released on purpose or were leaked on purpose to show us in a bad light, to show us that we to show people that we didn't understand the audience. Um, you know, the classics of, you know, b- stories about burning the Quran you know, or, or mistreating women or, or, or any kind of attack on, on civilians it is quite often pushed out um, and is seen as a defeat because it's pushing those audiences towards the enemy and towards the enemy narrative and, and, and into supporting them. So I think, I think bad information operations, it, 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 you know, is a, is a cause of defeat or, or when the propaganda leads people to make assumptions about your, um, your activities, which which then you know hands the advantage to the enemy. Interesting. So before we go for the day, we usually ask our guests to leave us with a something to think about, the, you know, regarding your field and and you know your profession, you know, in, in the sense of something to sort of a takeaway or you know something to sort of think about. <laughs> so uh, go ahead. Um, something to think about for, for information operations. Um, I would like to see it given, given more of a, a more of the limelight. I think, I think if we were to look at some of our military operations in recent history, I think if we'd made better decisions earlier on in those campaigns, focus more on the audiences rather than focusing on the enemy who are, but one of our audiences, I think if we looked at some of our activities uh, lower down the, the spectrum of conflict, if we look at some of our military assistance operations, if we look at our humanitarian operations, if we look at our train, advise, assist operations, if we look at our um, lower level spectrum stuff, I think if you if you put information operations more centrally to your plan as opposed to just an annex, um, I think we would have better outcomes across the field um, and we would probably have saved money, certainly, uh, and saved lives almost definitely um, if we had simply information operations at the forefront of our planning and our execution. Um, we may have done a lot better. Um, and hand in hand with that, we need to identify very early on in, in people's careers those people who are good uh, information operations practitioners, those people who have the requisite um, soft skills um, to make to to do very well at it, um, and train them and empower them and give them the tools that they need um, to go and do this job and do this well. Because I think there is a there is a generation of people working in information operations, and and I am one of them um, who came into this very much by mistake. <laughs> My uh, my background's in the infantry, and, I, and not for one second did I ever think I was going to end up in in information operations. And I, I I kind of came at it 
uh, very late on in my career and but have found it hugely satisfying and, and, and great fun. So, yeah, I would like to see more InfoWops in general, actually. Well, thank you so much for uh, being a guest on the Loopcast. Um, that was Richard Cole, or Rick Cole, excuse me. Um, he's a lieutenant colonel in the British Army Reserves, and um, we will have this show up in a day or so. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you very much. Cheers.